listening to the Ballroom Network. The following program is intended for all audiences. Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Stephen Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, and Chris Gonzalez. We're bringing you the White Sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. Grab your Kaminsky dog with an ice cold beer and meet us at section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitmen. That ball hit deep. Way back. You can put it on the board. Yes. Jimenez in the air. Left field. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. Over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges close. Out! And the White Sox have won the World Series. Alexei! Yes! 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 History! A perfect game by Mark Burley and what an unbelievable, unbelievable play by Wayne Wise. Pitch starts now. You're muted. And I'm muted, and I forgot to unmute. That's how you know we're training for everyone. Hey, it's the first show of the year, and uh, I pulled a rookie mistake and I left myself muted. Uh, It's the first time in forever. But anyway, Let's do that all over again. Welcome to South Burbs Hitman. It's the season two premiere. We are back after a long off-season hiatus, and we're here to bring you White Sox baseball all season long. And we're going to be talking about it with the usual the usual suspects. Of course, we're down one suspect tonight. Our buddy Steven Zim Zimmerman, uh, down with a case of laryngitis, lost his voice, but he's still here in the chat, and he's with us in spirit. But I'm joined in person by Vinny Parisi and Chris Gonzalez, the usual suspects. Gentlemen, uh, it's been a heck of a long offseason. It felt like the longest offseason, especially with the lockout. But here we are. We're on the verge of baseball, well, regular season baseball. And I can't be any more ready for it. Vinny, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very good. It feels good to be on the first episode of a season for South Burbs Hitman. This is my... First time doing that. I'm pumped. During the lockout, guys, I was sad. I was like, we're not going to have baseball. These guys can't agree on what to eat for dinner. And yeah, then right. just randomly, they cancel some games, and it really looking like there's going to be either no season or half a season. It's like 2020 all over again, except this time it's more of like an annoying reason rather than a scary reason. And then, boom, one day. After 99 long, grueling days of the offseason, the lockout ends, and here we are, ready to talk about baseball for the next, hopefully, longer than every other podcast for a team out there. Yeah, I mean, it felt great getting into one playoffs playoff series last year, but let's expand on that. Gonzo, how you doing, my friend? You are a mysterious man in black. You're living by the standards of the White Sox set, uh, but how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, just thriving out here in life. Um, like Vinny said, though, I was definitely in sad boy hours for a couple of months there. You know, I mean, it's hard to, you know, get too excited about baseball when it's in lockout and know 
moves are being made. And then all of a sudden when that was lifted, it went crazy for a couple of days and we were all in, you know, our anticipation was high and yeah, you know, I mean, in some ways the team upgraded and other ways it definitely could have been upgraded more, but we're going to definitely talk about that later in the show. Um, but I'm excited to get into it here and, baseball is a week away and that's where I love, you know, most about life is in the spring and baseball is just getting started up and then just get builds our, you know, anticipation for October, and hopefully we uh, don't have a letdown like last fall. Yeah, no, I'm, I think we're across the board. We're, we're aligned there, but uh, I know we briefly touched on, on the lockout guys, but you know, there's one thing before we get rolling into the show that I do want to touch on. And I mentioned this on Vinny's show Cross down cross talk uh, a couple weeks ago, and if you guys haven't tuned into that show, uh, you're missing out, Vinny. That's uh, I, I get confused. Is it Tuesdays or Thursdays? Because you have cross down cross talk and bar down Blackhawks. Yes, it's Thursday. Uh, we do the hockey show on Wednesday, and then the baseball show on Thursday. It's very similar to this show in terms of like we just argue with each other about whatever we want, but it's a little more focused on the entire MLB with like a Chicago like center point rather than just being focused on the White Sox. So it's, it's fun to come in here and just solely focus on the White Sox as they are my favorite team. There you go, man. And, and yeah, so it's great. That's a great show Vinny has. And of course I got to go on it that we were talking on, on St. Patrick's day, uh, you know, about the lockout. And, and the one thing I want to raise the alarm on and we've seen it happen already. We'll dive into it a little bit, talking about injuries, but you know, these guys had a short spring. They didn't have the usual offseason they do. They trained on their own. They trained with their own personal trainers. Uh, I think injuries are going to be a big problem this year. Uh, I wanted to get your guys' take on it before we go any further. Uh, Chris, what do, what do you think about that, and do you think there's going to be a rampant run of injuries in the MLB this season? Um, that's a good question. I mean, we can dive into what we saw yesterday unless you want to say that for later, Joe, but I mean, that's a, we'll, we'll, we'll save Andrew Vaughn for later. We'll call yeah, it. A tease. Okay. <laughs> um, well, first and foremost for this, you know, for his team to get them, you know, get to where our expectations might be for this team, you know, health is the number one, you know, key for this team actually, you know, going after, you know, that world series contention, I mean, they have all the talent in the world, but like we saw last season, Eloy gets injured, gosh, right there at the end of spring training, and we missed him for two-thirds of the season. And then, you know, same thing with Robert. Robert gets injured and misses most of the season. And we only saw that White Sox team healthy for, gosh, not even a quarter of the season. And for the aspirations that team had, it's just really hard to duplicate you know, that team firing on all cylinders without, you know, having that season of health. And that's something that is going to be really important going into this year um, for us to see what this team's truly made out of. And um, we're about to find out real soon here, and hopefully they do remain healthy because um, that's what is going to be essential for this season. For sure, man. I love that take. And, and Vinny, you know, the, the off season being as weird as it was, uh, Liam Hendricks was on your show this off season as well and talked about how weird it was uh, preparing in an off season without the team and without his coaches. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on how it's going to affect players' health this year. Yeah, Liam bought a house in Arizona. 
just to not need it until the lockout ended, which he was, he was frustrated about it. There's no doubt about it. He made it clear that, you know, he was used to being a cactus league play. He always did Florida training. Even last year was Florida training for him right before the stuff got going in Arizona. So yeah, it's definitely interesting. One thing I like to think about did the white Sox lead the league in man games lost last year. No. Um, The thing that made it seem like, you know, the injury bug hit them harder than any other team was the players that got hurt. It was Robert, Jimenez, and Grendel. You can argue those are their three best hitters. I mean, I would insert Jose Abreu, Anderson, Moncada. Like all, so all six of those guys are equally as important at different times of the season. But those three guys are what we call consequential players. And when all three of them are hurt, it's devastating. But I think of teams like the Los Angeles Angels. They have the two best players in baseball, in my opinion. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout play for the Los Angeles Angels. They haven't made the playoffs in a billion years. Baseball is a team sport. When the Atlanta Braves lost Ronald Acuna Jr. last year, what did they do? They went out and won the World Series. Ronald Acuna Jr. is one of the very best players in Major League Baseball. So, yes, I think injuries are a thing. They're always going to be a thing. We're going into our third straight weird year because in 2020 we only played 60 games because of COVID-19. Um, the following year, there were people saying that there were, I heard literal doctors saying that the reason their, uh, injuries are up this year, man games across all baseball were up because they only played 60 games the year before. And then they really ramped it up quickly, then shut it down quickly, then ramped it up again in spring training in 2021. That caused some injuries according to a lot of people. So is the third year in a row, are the players going to be a little more used to having strange off seasons? Part of me thinks so. Um, Every team will deal with injuries. We just have to hope that the Roberts, the Jimenez, uh, Abreu, Moncada, Anderson, Vaughn, all these guys that are part of the core and will be everyday players, even guys like Sheets and, you know, the pitchers, of course. There was a relatively fair amount of health for the pitchers last year. Nobody talks about that with the White Sox. Outside of Carlos Rodon's arm soreness and, like, a little a little issue with Lynn in September, like, they were mostly healthy all year long. So – you know, I think Giolito missed one start. Dylan Cease made all 32 starts. So it, it's interesting to me that people are always about the injuries. I think it's just a matter of who got hurt last year. You can't let that happen again this year because who's going to say that uh, you're mean Mercedes? I'm not saying literally you're mean Mercedes, but a player out of nowhere coming out to replace that production, it's hard. Uh, but yeah. baseball is a team sport, and it's the ultimate team sport. You need all 26 people on the roster and then some. You need the miners to chip in throughout the year. You need a sheets. You need, you know, all these guys that come up throughout the year. So it'll be interesting to see who that is this year. I've liked what I've seen from guys like Micker or Micker Adolfo. Is it Micker or Micker? I don't even know. I, I always say Micker, but I believe it is Micker, but it I have to Micah. confirm. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Cespedes going forward. I think he'll start in AAA. He might not even come up at all this year. I know they have high hopes for Oscar Colas. So, you know, injuries. And we can – that, real yeah. quick, Vinny, real quick, Vinny, we'll, we'll, we'll use that to promo one of our upcoming shows. You're talking about a couple Cuban players, yeah. uh, you know, coming up on our April 11th show. We do have Phil Seelig from Cuba, Cuba dugout to con the show. We'll talk about Colas. You know, we'll talk about Cespedes and uh, another reason to tune into South Burbs Hitmen. But after that shameless plug, I will let you continue. Yeah. And Phil Seelig, he's been on Crosstown. He's been on this show. Outstanding. 
knowledge Absolutely. and analysis about Cuban players. So if you're interested in baseball in any facet, he he doesn't only do the Cuban guys either. Like that's his main focus, but that guy loves baseball and he has a heavy connection with the White Sox just from all the stuff that are all the connections the White Sox have to that great baseball country. So very much looking forward to that. Can't wait for April 11th, in addition to every other great guest we're going to have this season. But back to what I was saying, injuries are going to happen. Just got to hope that, you know, they stay the course. And it doesn't sound, I know we're going to get into it a little later, but it doesn't sound like any of the injuries sustained so far are too bad. So got to get to the season healthy and work from there. The White Sox, I think they were 9-1 and one when Vaughn, or not Vaughn, they were 9-1 and one when Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Yasmani Grandal, and Yoan Moncada were all in the lineup at the same time. That's crazy. That's, that's impressive. It really no. is. I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah, me too. And and, and just to, 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 to clean up the off season, the the health thing, and the in the short off season. Uh, the only thing I have to say about it now is this: is is everyone's on the same playing field. Everyone had the same thing, so it's not like it's going to affect one guy more than it is another. Um, these guys all had the same situation. So, you know, that's all going to work out, hopefully. And if it doesn't, next man up. So, uh, but I do want to briefly touch before we get to our season preview, talk a little bit about the offseason. You know, there are some big additions. Uh, well, you depending on who you ask <laughs> um, from the White Sox side of things, there was some big additions on the White Sox. Um, they've made little dink and dunk moves. I'm, I'm just curious, guys, uh, and Chris, we can start with you. Your thoughts on on some of these moves that have happened this offseason and what's your biggest uh your biggest offseason move and the one you're most excited about? I'll start off with the later later part of that question. Um the most excitement I drew from this offseason was Han adding more depth and really talent into our bullpen. Um having adding Kevin Graveman, a really nice arm from you know, well he was he began last season with Seattle, had a really great first half, got traded to um, Houston, who we saw Graveman sure. in, in the blackout game. He did a pretty solid job with Houston. Um, and then adding Joe Kelly as well. Um, with his you know, postseason experience he's had with, you know, the Dodgers of recent, you know, you know, postseason plays, a really good arm to have there too. Um, I like seeing those two arm, uh, you know, arms being added to our bullpen for depth. Um, granted, I personally, like as far as the budget goes for this offseason, I know I displayed it in October when we were talking about this offseason, but I would have loved to see at least one arm being added to the pitching rotation because that's one thing that we – still might. They might. They might. Um, and I know I, I talked about a potential trade of Mania. Sean Mania from Oakland, you know, in October, I'm hoping that we can pull that. Um, but you know, a guy like that Robbie Ray, he had a really, I thought that deal for him was very fair for us to, to be in play for that. And I would have loved to see us put in maybe, you know, a couple extra million just to give, get him Cause for 25 million, that's an arm that I would love to see in that rotation of ours. Um, but like, and I, you know, one of my um, disappointments was—I mean, I'll get into that later in the show—but it was an, a pitch, another pitcher that we got, um, who I just thought was a throwaway. But altogether, um, 
the pen looks really strong. That's the best part of the depth from this offseason. And the most positive thing I'll say about um, Han at this moment, I'm not even sure what Han is actually able to do with Jerry, you know, taking control of giving them, like, what amount of money he's able to spend. Um, so I can't really be too hard on Han without knowing what the back end of that is. Um, as far as the pitching rotation goes, you know, if it's going to be Lynn, Geo, Cease, Kopech, and um, Keuchel, that's one hell of a rotation. Yeah, you might want to see a better arm than Keuchel as your five, but for those four guys before him, that's three of those four are the probably the best. Uh, yeah, three of those four are probably the you know ten best pitchers in baseball. So it's just impressive all around. Um, if one guy gets injured, yeah, you'll probably go to the rotation of four for the time being, but mm-hmm. that's still going to be one of the best rotations in the game. Um, outfield wise. Um, yeah, you're look, you're defensively, it's going to be a struggle from your corners, but that was kind of on how this roster was being built. I mean, I think that they know that, right? They know that they, ha- they have to <laughs> most of your offensive productions don't come from the outfield with Eloy and Robert and with the progression of sheets and Vaughn plantooning out there, you know, if they have the progression that they're capable of, that's like a you know, definitely one of your, you know, between those guys plantooning, they could be above average outfielder. Yeah. Offensive. Well, 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 Vinny, let me ask you this. Go ahead, Gonzo. You can wrap your thought. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to give up some defense with the offensive production that they're all capable of. Um, but in that defense is made up right through the middle of the infield, in my opinion, with Harrison and Timmy and with Mankata and Abreu at the corners. That's a hell of an infield to make up for that defensive play. Sure. So all together, just one hell of a talented team. So, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm I'm in total alignment with you there, and that was a perfect segue for me because I was going to toss it to Vinny. Okay, add one and more it, thing. Yeah, they didn't get a backup catcher that I thought they defensively needed. Um, that's a kind that I have to put in there, but go ahead, Joe. Yep, and that's actually one thing that I was mentioned to Vinny when I was on his show too is like the need for an off, you know, uh, a more a better defensive uh, backup catcher, but. Um, I guess we'll see what happens here when when cuts start happening in camps. Maybe we'll maybe somebody will land on their feet and we can pick them up. But uh, Vinny, Chris did a perfect segue for me. I was going to ask you about Josh Harrison and you know the signing that with the job Rick Rick Hahn did getting him at a and what I think is a bargain price and with that option for next season. You know, depending on how things play out, this is a guy that's going to gel really well with this team. He's got that swagger. And I think he's underrated defensively, per you know personally. I'm just curious your thoughts on Harrison and 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 his the way he fits with his club. If I could sacrifice offense from any position on the diamond, it would be second base. That's just my personal opinion. I think it's the hardest position on the infield, based on the fact that a lefty like pull, dead pull hitter, hard to defend. I know uh, third base and shortstop get way more action. But I think the actual ability to field ground balls effectively and turn double plays from the second base position, it's there's a reason that a lot of second basemen across MLB are defense first. 
And so sure. if you can get a guy like Whit Merrifield or Nick Madrigal, who are pretty good hitters as well, you you, you have your cake and eat it too, uh, if you will. So Josh Harrison, he could provide offense. He's been an all-star in his career. It was five years ago. He's 34 now. But if you're not getting a Semyon or a story to come over and play second base for you, then I'm okay with a, a move like that. I did not dislike the Harrison move as much as some people did. I, you know, maybe it was them cheaping out, but if there was a place to cheap out, I, I don't hate the Harrison signing at all. Um, I think it could work out for them. He seems to be gelling. There was the picture of Tim Anderson driving everyone to practice on the cart. And who was in the front <laughs> seat of the cart with a big old smile on his face? Josh Harrison. Can Josh he be Harrison. this year's Brian Goodwin in terms of like the funny guy in the room that everybody enjoys being around? I think he can. Uh, to go off what you were asking earlier about, you know, the offseason in general, I like having Joe Kelly and Carlos Correa in the same division. I do. I think it's going to be fun. Um, you know, that's a guy. If Listen, Craig Kimbrell might be the worst player in the bullpen. And he's the only one in the bullpen who already has his ticket to the Hall of Fame signed. Yep. So – you know, that guy has the pedigree to, like, bounce back. I know he had a rough start to spring training. The one game wasn't that great. But, you know, to answer Ron's question, like, he's one of the guys I'm open to trading, obviously. 16 mil for probably your worst bullpen piece. I mean, is it possible that Ruiz is better than him? Yeah, I think it is. He was last year. So, you know, it's definitely going to be interesting. I love Kendall Graveman. People don't even – he's the guy who beamed Abreu and, like, started that whole thing in the playoffs. Um, it's going to be interesting. I know they already like kind of worked that out and all that kind of stuff. Abreu got beamed by everybody last year. Yes, um, he did. Kendall Graveman was also on the Seattle Mariners, as Gonzo pointed out, and he's the one who, when he was traded, every player on the Mariners started tweeting like, "I hate it here," and you know they seem to give up every year, and then they almost made the playoffs anyway without Graveman. Yeah. So you know it's going to be interesting to see how that all fits in. I think the pitching staff is loaded. I mean, Keuchel is a question mark, but like Garrett Crochet is a dirty boy. He's a dirty, dirty boy. People forget about him. He, he's kind of this year's Michael Kopech. I think he could take the long reliever role, long reliever with innings limit still, if you will, because they do seem to kind of be working him through. I think back to what Washington did with Strasburg all those years ago. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I like, I like what they did with the pitching this offseason for the bullpen. I would like to see one of the A starters come over via trade. You know, whether it be Manaya or Frankie Montez, either one of them is going to be the four because I think to start the year, you go Giolito, Lynn, Cease, and, you know, work from there. Manaya or Montez would fit in at four. You use Kopech. You know, I, Kopech is the best pitcher on the staff, in my opinion, in terms of pure stuff. When but, fully you know, healthy, I, I agree. And I think Cease and Giolito can match that. I really do from the bottom of my heart. But if you're talking like just pure, like, 100-mile-an-hour fastball that moves, you platoon that with a curveball or a slider that moves in the opposite direction as the fastball, it becomes virtually impossible to hit. So the offseason, you know, I don't like what they – lack of addressing right field, um, but there's plenty of time for that. You know, it's early April. You know, yep. pl platooning what they're going to do. Adam Engel, people forget about him too. He's awesome defensively, and he's become a really good hitter after probably starting his career as the worst hitter in White Sox history. And he yeah. had more home runs in his injury plagued last season than he did the year before. So off season, I give it a B plus, maybe a B minus. 
But, you know, with the roster that they have and the talent that they have, it's different than other years that they did nothing. There have been years where they did nothing and the roster was garbage and they thought they were going to win, like 2016, where in uh-huh. mid, mid, mid-season they decided to trade Fernando Tatis Jr. to the Padres for James Shields. James Shields. And then Chris, Chris Sale goes on his rampage and it's probably the worst season in White Sox. Like th- that type of offseason makes me angry. But this season it's like – there's so much talent all over the place. It's like it's like fitting in a puzzle, and you almost you'll have a better you'll have a better realization of what they actually need by the trade deadline. So that's where I'm at on the off season. Nice, Finny. Yeah, no, that's it. <clears throat> I'm kind of in the same boat as you. You know, I, I like the additions to the bullpen. That was our glaring weakness going into the well. We didn't think it was going into the bullpen going into the postseason, but it ended up being you know our Achilles heel. So obviously they're trying to fix that, but you know, you're right. In 05, it was just the pieces coming together and I can see that's kind of maybe what Han's trying to do. So I I can respect that. I really can, but you know, let's, let's, let's jump over the wall and into the upcoming season and spring training a little bit. Uh, Of course, the big news this week is, is Andrew Vaughn. I went to go make a diving play and got injured yesterday. The White Sox released a statement today saying it's a hip flexor, and he's out for one to two weeks, which is great news. It could be a lot worse, but uh, we've got some footage here of the injury. Uh, let's take a look. Speed out of the hand. Onser Alberto, right center field, and that's going to be grabbed by Vaughn. A great diving catch by the White Sox right fielder. And back to first base, Will Smith. Boy, he took a double away from Onser Alberto. <laughs> Limping a little bit. Uh, he paid the price. That was a crap. He certainly paid the price on that one. And you would think after watching spring training last year, where Aloy, you know, rips the muscle off of his arm hanging over the fence, that that Andrew might not go so hard. But um, I'm not saying not to make the play. But uh, yeah, I am. You could that. De- well, yeah. I mean, I think you make an effort. I don't think you have to dive like that in spring. But. Uh, Initial thoughts on the injury, Vinny, since you're ch- shaking your head, I'll, I'll toss it to you. But uh, they seem to have dodged a bullet here. Yeah. When I woke up this morning and saw that they weren't having a press conference, I was like, okay, he's probably fine. Because you might remember last year when Eloy uh, decided to dangle from a left field fence trying to rob a home run that clearly was unrobbable in a spring training game that meant absolutely nothing. I'm still mad at him for it, and I would tell it to him right to his face if I saw him today. Um Vaughn is a little bit of a different story. He knew he had a chance to make the play. He knows that right field is the harder of the two corner outfield positions. And it's not as easy to just step in and play as he did. He played admirably in left field last year. I I think his left field play last year was a little like he played well early. The metrics say he was okay, Um, but he was better than Eloy. So people thought he was like a godly left fielder. And, you know, credit to him for making that switch and giving it a chance. Um, I respect a guy who tries hard, though. As much as I say I wouldn't, you know, I would have made the business decision to, like, stay healthy, sure. And he's having a great spring offensively. And we know how important his bat is in the lineup. As you guys said earlier, like, you know, you give up a little bit of defense for his offense. I agree with that. But I also think, like, they have a designated hitter role if he's not playing first base. 
Sheets and Vaughn, if I were in charge, would be platooning DH and Angle would be playing right field unless they signed or traded for someone to be the full-time right mm-hmm. fielder. But, you know, they want his bat in the lineup, and they want Sheets' bat in the lineup too. And they probably want Angle's bat in the lineup from time to time. Uh, Leary Garcia, good utility player. He looks a lot more natural. I mean, even last year watching Vaughn play left, there was nothing graceful about it. He definitely had, like, that shakiness to him when he was out there making yeah. the play. But he made the plays a lot of the time. So, you know, I have no issue with him out there trying. People blaming Tony LaRusso. Listen, I'll get on Tony LaRusso about anything I want to. I'm not getting on him about that. He's playing his guys in the spring training game. What's he supposed to do? Yeah. You know, he's playing the roster that Rick Hahn provided for him via Jerry Reinsdorf. We can get into <laughs> that later in the show. But um, Andrew Vaughn, glad he's healthy. Uh, one to two weeks. I, I think he could be ready for opening day. It's 11 days away. Yeah. At one to two weeks is a, if you even that out, it's probably around 11, 12 days. Maybe if they face a Detroit, is Casey Mize going to be their opening day starter? In that case, it probably would be Sheets in the lineup to start. So, you know, yeah. I don't even know how it's going to go from there. He could DH there or pinch it, I mean. There are so many ways to go about it, but I'm glad Sheets is going to be okay and. Like I said, when I woke up and there was no press conference announced for 1130 this morning, I was like, oh, thank God. He's going to be okay. You, you mean Vaughn? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Vaughn. Sorry. But like last I year. Mean, I'm, I'm glad Sheets is going to be okay too. Yeah. They had a press <laughs> conference for Eloy last year. You might remember. Like he got hurt that it was a night. Or it was like a late afternoon spring training game. And the next morning it was like Rick Hahn set to meet the media. Through. I'm like, no, Eloy's. Yeah, gone. bad news. Yeah, so good thing that didn't happen, and we can move on. We certainly dodged a bullet there for sure. Um, you know, it's been an interesting spring so far, gents. Uh, could I just go ahead? B- yeah, butt in D- there. Dive in, baby. Dive, dive head first. Luba. All right. If you see me on Twitter, just commenting a lot, it's probably because I'm just losing my shit because I'm seeing a lot of people talking out of their ass on a certain topic. And that situation, it just drives me nuts because it's mostly people trying to shoot narratives out there. Like as soon as something goes wrong in right field, they're like, oh, let's go get Conforto. Let's go get Conforto. It's like, let's just take a breather because there's a reason why Conforto is unsigned to this point. He's just overpriced. Oh, we, all, we all know why. This. Yeah, he's, he wants too much money. Yeah, he but it has nothing money, and he, to do with Conforto. He's an average out right fielder for the money that yeah. he wants. So For me, it's not about Conforto. It's about getting somebody who plays right field to play right field. Vaughn and Cheats both look unnatural out there. I know it was a nice catch, but like... Even I mean, if it's unnatural, though, he made the catch. And the fundamentals he, he made to make that catch were on. His first step was back, which is, always should be back. It's much easier to go front for the ball than it is to go back. If it were yeah. a regular season and game, I would the agree. read for that ball, it, it's certainly harder than it looked. And he, to make that catch, I gave him all the credit. He has the versatility to play the corners, without a doubt. I compare him with Bellinger with his versatility. So I'm not worried about him playing the any of the quarter outfielders. Like, I'm just not. Yeah, I um, wouldn't say I'm worried about it either. It's just I I like – I like the idea of like he 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 hurt himself just like Aloy last year, and those guys. Yeah, but anyone can in the outfield. Any normal outfielder can get hurt too. One of your elite outfielders in Acuna got injured. 
making a play out there in the outfield. Absolutely. Well, so sure. it's it's just ridiculous to say, oh, we need, you know, you know, he's out of position. Any other outfielder can make that catch without having to die for it. It's just yeah, some of these takes are just ridiculous. So no, I, I'm with you, man. And 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 before jumped in on this, I was gonna get your thoughts on you know what happens with the starting rotation because you know we've seen you know, a couple of these guys get roughed around. I mean, that always happens in spring. Guys are trying new pitches, they're trying new things. You know, what happens with the starting rotation, Gonzo? As far as what is it? What's what is the rotation to start the season? I think it's going to be Lynn. I think Lynn's going to get the nod. Um, you'll probably have Giolito as your two, um, then Cease, Kopech, and then Keiko. And that's your starting rotation there, from one to five. I got some you know predictions on the, our pitching staff coming later in the show. Um, now let's say we get like a you know they trade and. Get Sean Mania. Mm-hmm. He, he's a really talented lefty. I mean, I, I, I could see him as a three and a top, like, you know, three. I think you can rotate him and Gio as, you know, our third best pitcher in the rotation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if that happens, I, I would still – I mean, I wouldn't DFA Keiko. Ugh, squeak there, but I wouldn't DFA Keiko. I'd like, I'd like to keep him around just in case, like, you know, there is an injury in the rotation because, God forbid, we do have an injury and we need someone in there to eat up innings, and Keiko still has the talent to do so. I mean, there's um, that, and then he becomes trade bait too, right? That too, yeah. I mean, but, yeah, I mean, there's just so many options um, right there if that a trade happens, um, but we definitely need. And I, I was surprised that we didn't see another arm get signed than Vince Velasquez because um, it's it's important to have some depth um, to eat up innings and when you're you know especially a quality arm when you're going to be in, in the race down the stretch here I mean yeah they're gonna they should win the division easily again um, especially if they're healthy they should just blow through the division For but sure. like going into the offseason it would be nice to have you know some more options here um, in the rotation. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that, and I think I think we have a, I think there's a couple of things that are probably going to happen before the season starts. I think we'll probably add an arm. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if we didn't, and uh, I think we may grab a, a backup catcher at one cut start at camp. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, to see what happens in that respect. But maybe I'm wrong. But I do want to touch base, or at least touch on uh, a guy that we have talked about for a long time. I mean, this is a guy who is easily in the consideration for MVP. And we talked, I had a prediction last year that he would be. And I think all of us feel like he's going to be in that conversation. We'll touch more on that later. But I'm going to pull up some video in the while I talk about him. But, of course, Luis Robert has been uh, just on a tear in spring. You know, let's take a look at this this home run. I mean, he's been just labeling the ball this spring. Uh, the ball popping off his bat. He looks fast. He looks strong. And we talked about healthy. This guy, he looks healthy. If we get a full healthy season out of Luis Robert, gentlemen, I mean, I think the sky's the limit here, right? I mean, then you get Eloy. You get Eli going. He's having a nice spring. You get Tim Anderson going. You get Josh Harrison going. Andrew Vaughn right there, speak of the devil. You know, these guys working, if they if they get everything hot, this team can score nine runs every game like they did in this game against the Dodgers. 
and they could be one of the best offenses in baseball. Uh, I, I've encouraged by what I'm seeing from the offense, and especially, especially Luis Robert. You know, Vinny, talk to me about Luis Robert because I know you're an even bigger fan than I am. If the Chicago Blackhawks trade Patrick Kane this summer, Luis Robert will then be the best male athlete in Chicago, in my opinion. All right now I have him too. They both wear 88, which is kind of funny. But Luis, Luis Robert is insane. He has more physical tools than I've ever seen a Chicago White Sox player have. If Andrew Vaughn and Cheats play right field this year, one of the only reasons I'm okay with it is because Luis Robert is in center. Because he just covers so much ground. And, yeah, any outfielder can get hurt playing the outfield. But I think you're more likely to get hurt if you're covering more ground when you're not that good at it. Luis Robert takes that away from someone like, you know, whoever's playing right field. And even Aloy and left. He's so fast. He can throw a dart to home plate from center field. He hits bombs. He hits for contact. He steals bases. I mean, have the White Sox ever had a five-tool player at this age before? I'm going to say I don't think so. I don't think they have. I've always heard if he, like, grew up in the United States, he would have played linebacker at Georgia and been a top-ten pick in the NFL. Like, that's, that's the physical specimen that he is. And he's just out there mashing home runs in spring training. Off of some good pitchers, too. Um, you know, he follows up a one-home run, two-RBI game with a two-home run, four-RBI game. And he just impacts every field he steps on, it seems like. He had three war in the 60-something games he played last year. Over 162, let's say he plays 145, give or take, a couple off days. We're looking at a 7-8-9 war player. That's MVP stuff. So Luis Robert, he's absolutely incredible in every way, shape, and form. Um, I don't think I don't think the White Sox have ever had a better player. Frank Thomas and Paul Konerko are their two best players ever in that order. Robert's coming for it. And like you said earlier, if you have Jimenez hit 45 home runs with a fair average and Abreu hits for you know 120 RBIs again and Vaughn comes back healthy and does what he does, Moncada and uh, Anderson keep up their on-base percentage the way we know they can keep it, then Luis Robert is the leader of one really good team. And, man, I can't wait to watch him truly keep it going. I'm with you, man. He's he's one of my most anticipated players this year. And uh, it's uh, he's going to be one of those names you're going to hear all year long on MLB Network and SportsCenter. You know, it's exciting. But I did pull up here some of the offensive stats from spring. And we talked about, you know, these guys absolutely raking. You got Eloy with seven RBI, you know, Robert with seven, Adolfo with seven. Saspedes has got six. Uh, it's kind of exciting to see Adolfo hitting so well this spring. You know, in mm-hmm. 14 at-bats, hitting 500. Two of those are homers. I mean, that's exciting. You have to imagine he may have some sort of role on this team. Maybe not on the team straight out of uh, spring training, but I could definitely see him being called up later in the year. And, uh, you know, let's look at Cespedes here. While while I'm one of the, that's in the camp of him needing a full year uh, in AAA to kind of develop his skills, I am excited for the future to see him what, he, what he's going to bring to the team. You know, Gavin Sheets having a nice spring so far. You know, Berger, you know, doing – burger stuff. <laughs> Jose Abreu is kind of having a rough start to spring, but you never really worry about uh, 
MVP though. I mean, he comes around. Uh, so that's not like anything for us to really worry about. But for me, the most exciting thing on here is seeing Luis Robert just crushing the ball, three homers. He's only hitting 263, but that's in less than 20 at bats. And he's got that many RBI, that home, many homers. It's pretty encouraging. And of course, TA is slugging out the gate too, batting 429. Uh, things are looking up for this season. You know, Gonzo, what do you think about this offense and what you're seeing this spring? Yeah, so I mean, going back to Luis Robert, I mean, like last time we had a guy of that talent, center field was the early 19th century with Sheila's Joe Jackson. So, and I mean, this is a guy that he hit like what, 340? Um, when he came back from his injury, I think he ended with like 345 or something like that as a batting average, which was absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, if he's healthy, he's definitely for sure probably the best, I would say he'd be the best center fielder in the game um, in this league and guy that sh- for sure will be out there for MVP voting. Um, yeah, I mean, you're just hoping that for health-wise, you know, he – you know, knock on wood that he he remains healthy. But uh, yeah, to go looking at that list, um, I would ha- I would love to see Ad- Adolfo get a shot at making the roster, and I would actually like to put him in front of Engel at this point. Because um, there's one thing about you know Adolfo is that if you put him in right field, he has one hell of an arm too. Um, him him and uh, Suspetti or yeah Suspetti. Uh, Sus- Cespedes, yeah, they both have really great arms out there in right field. Um, and Cespedes is definitely hitting the ball well. He had a home run right off of one of the best arms in the game and Walker Buehler. Um, and, yeah, all together, it's just crazy seeing that young talent of ours in the outfield. I mean, we keep complaining about a right fielder, but we have a lot of young right field talent. And Adolfo, Cespedes, Sheets, Vaughn. Um, it's just crazy to see the talent that's out there in the outfield. Um, yeah, Cespedes is super raw. I, yeah. I'm, I keep lobbying. I'd love to see him at least get a full year in the minors I to polish that skill. But he is—he's an—he's going to be a great talent. Just needs to refine his bat a little bit, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's absolutely you know true, and I think he's a guy that we'll probably see on the you know extended rosters in September. Um, but for the same reason, like you said, Joe, he, he needs the reps down there in double, triple A for the same reason why, you know, Jake Berger did last year and yeah. Berger's and also another name for second baseman that you'll probably see, um, make the roster potentially, or, you know, coming up later in the season, like maybe June, but, um, he's an interesting name that will be in there too. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see yeah. where we go out of spring. I'll have to look what? it up real quick. Go ahead, talk a little bit, Joe. There's another name. There's a catcher I saw that um, I had my eye on him because he's he's probably the defense, the best defensive catcher that we have. Um, stall for a couple of minutes here while I find him. Yeah, again. no, it's it's all good. And and you know, I know our buddy Vince Tassoni's in the chat. Vince, I know there's a catcher you were messaging me about earlier. I'm losing my mind who it was, but if you want to put it here in the chat, I'll, I'll pull it up on the screen. Okay, wow, he was quick. <laughs> it was Nick something, right? Yeah, yep. I even know how to pronounce that. But, yes, he is the best defensive catcher that we have in the organization right now. It's an interesting name to bring up because um, we, as far as defensive catchers go, that's that, that's key because um, with Grandal with his knee issues, when his knee is acting up, you know, that's 
the part of his game that just you know slacks with his mitt. But yeah. Cool. Thanks, buddy. And mm-hmm. you know, I, we've gotten to the point of the show. Where we talked spring training. We're getting ready to hop into a season preview. We're getting our gears shifted here. And this is the part of the show. And, and every year we do it. We 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 amp up. We, it's our season prediction time. So with that said, and of course my sump pump's going to go off right as I start talking about this, but it'll be off in just a second. Um, there it goes. And we're going to predict the record for this year for your Chicago White Sox. And uh, we'll lead it off with Zim, who can't join us right now, but he did tell us his prediction before the show started. Uh, Zim is going to predict that the White Sox win 97 games and go 97 and 65 to win the AL Central. Uh, I, I like the moxie there, kid. I like the optimism. I'd love to see us win 97 games. Uh, Vinny, what do you have for your season prediction? Yeah, pending health. Pending health. Uh, I think the White Sox are the best team in the American League Central. Um, I know the Twins and the Tigers will give them a run for their money. They'll be a lot better this year, but also so will the White Sox because they won't be missing a fair amount of their top players for you know a good portion of the season. And I also don't think they'll take the foot off the gas in August quite as much as they did last year, knowing how that can impact them once October rolls around. Oh yeah. And you know, I think they'll be a lot less inclined to rest and you know, they need those top 6 in the lineup every single day as much as they can. So with that, I think the White Sox will be two games improved over last season, which is a lot when you start talking about 90 something games. Two wins over yeah. the year before is a lot. Um I'm going to go with 95 and 67. 95 and 67, very nice. I like it, Vinny. Uh, either way, you know, both these guys, high win total, over 90, big stuff. Gonzo. Actually, let me write it down so I have record of this. That was 90 – what was it, Vinny? 95, 95 and 67. I believe that adds up to 162. Yeah. Yeah, the, my, my math is – yeah. Yep, it does. <laughs> Gonzo, your prediction, my friend. Originally, I was going to say, because I just felt like there was going to be a health issue, but originally I was thinking 89, 90 wins. Um, I'm kind of going back. I feel like they're actually going to be more healthy this year than they were last season, and I'm I'm actually with Vinny. I'm going 95 as well. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Both you guys. What happens a, if you both get it right? It's an interesting uh, win total because – you go over 95, then you start creeping towards 100, then you're looking at the best record in baseball. Uh, 95 wins certainly wins you the American League Central Division, I would say. I don't think the Twins are going to get much over 85 to 90. And then, But I, I hope the White Sox win the division. I hope they win 95 games, but I hope the gap isn't as big as last year. I do. Like, I'm going to be cheering on the Twins and Tigers to, like, make things interesting. Yeah, keep it interesting. Sox. There's the extra playoff spot. I'm not worried about them making it to the postseason by any means. No. Uh, especially since the one-game wild card is gone. Like, every team's going to go into the playoffs looking for – but, like, play at home in the playoffs. We know what Lucas Giolito can do at home. We know what Lance Lynn can do in the playoffs against basically every other team besides the Houston Astros, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Are they even going to be as good next year without Correa? Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this season. I like that win total of 95 for sure. 
Very nice. Well, you guys are aligned on that. I I think they're going to be good. I, I just I just I just can't see them winning that many games. I I hope I'm wrong. I'm not I'm not far off from you guys. I just I think they're going to be a little bit foot off the gas towards the end again. Um, but I do I do think I'm going to go 90. I'm going to go 92 and 70. Um, I think they're going to win 92 games. I just it's a long season. There's a lot going on, injuries and all that fun stuff. Uh, I, I just feel like 92 is where they're going to land. Just a little less than you guys. Um, I'd the Braves love for won, them to prove me wrong. The Braves won 89, so it doesn't really matter in that case. Just get into the dance. That's all you got to do. You got to get to the dance, and I think they've got more than enough to get to the dance. So that's my prediction there. But uh, the next prediction question here is who leads the White Sox in RBI in 2022? This is a big one, tough one. Our buddy Steven Zim Zimmerman says Jose Abreu says he returns to form and just clubs the hell out of the ball in 2022. So Zim's going to go with Jose. Gonzo, who are you going with? I'm with Zim because, I mean, he's, gosh, what was it? Three of the last five years, or no, was it five years in a row? He's at 100 ribbies. I mean, he's. Every year of his career, but one. Yeah, he's just, he's uh, Except 2020, which he was on pace for 162. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's three of the last five years, I believe that would have been. Um, but, yeah, he's just – he's on a roll. Um, until someone else can be ahead of him on ribbies, I'm going to go with Jose. He's in, He was MVP for a reason that year. And uh, he's, the, he's the leader of this club. And I think Jose is going to continue to be that cleanup hitter of ours that – He's going to be up there for best first baseman in the league. I love it, man. I think we all would love to see Jose have a monster year. Uh, I'm I'm going to change things up. I think it's the year of Luis Robert. I really do. I think he's going to own the American League as long as he stays healthy. I think he will by far lead this team in RBI. I'm going to say it. I think he goes over 100 this year, and I don't think it's close. I think he's – by far the RBI leader on this team with a full season. Uh, spoken, Jose. I just I think Jose is going to have a good year. I just I have a feeling that uh, Luis is going to be the end all be all. So I'm going with Luis Babo. Luis Babo. How about you, Mister Vinny? Yeah, I'm going with Abreu. Um, sixty RBIs in sixty games in 2020. Won the RBI title that year always in contention. I believe he won it the year before that too. In 2019, he came in second last year. And the only person who had more than him was Salvador Perez of the Kansas city Royals. Um, I think Abreu, his spot in the lineup has a lot to do with it. I think Luis Robert will be a lot of the runs scored for Jose Abreu's RBIs. Um, So will Tim Anderson and Moncada, even Jimenez maybe from time to time, but you know, I think Abreu, he, he seems to he seems to know what to do when there's runners in scoring position better than any player the White Sox have ever had. And I think sure. Robert will develop that. And I think Robert's just natural skill will lead to that happening naturally. Um, you know, when you put the best guys out there, they're going to come up with the best results. And that's what Robert can do. But I like Abreu for this just because of his ability to be clutch. He'll be the guy, if there's a guy who you could choose to come up with for the White Sox when there's runners on second and third, two outs, bottom of the ninth, you're up, you're down one. 
and a base hit would win the game, I think I would pick Jose Abreu over anyone on the team, even though I think he's about the third or fourth best overall hitter on the team. Uh, Abreu just has that knack for driving in runs, and that's why I'm choosing him. Hey, th- three of you chose him for a reason, so <laughs> let's be honest. Ho- Jose is just a master when he's there's runners on base. So that great choice. I just I just feel like Luis takes that next step this year. I hope I mean, you're I'm, right, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> I think we would all love to see everyone on this team have, uh, you know, 70-plus RBI. Yeah. Um, and maybe that happens. Who knows? Probably not. But, you know, it's going to be fun. You know, I also I posed a question to you guys before we went live. You know, are there any MVP candidates on this team? And I think we've already talked about a couple of them. So I don't think we need to tell anybody else about Jose Abreu and, and Luis Robert again. But, you know, who are some other people that could be sneaky MVP candidates on this team? You know, I'll, I'll lead it off here. And, and I think Tim Anderson could be a sneaky candidate for MVP. You know, the way he hits the ball, he hits for average. Uh, if he adds some more RBI to his repertoire this year, this is a guy who could make a run at an MVP. I'd, you know, I, I don't know how many RBI he's going to be able to get to be in that conversation. But, um, you know, Timmy is a leader on and off the field, and he's one of those guys that I think could be a sneaky option there. Uh, Gonzo, any other options on this team for MVP candidates besides the obvious? You can always say Eloy. Eloy remains healthy. He's got the power and the bat to do so. Um, I'd also say to kind of – Switch sides to go the equivalent of MVP with Cy Young. I think we have a candidate in Cease, who yeah. was right behind uh, Cole and uh, what was he been with strikeouts last year? Cole and Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray, yeah, and he was right behind both of them for strikeouts as his rookie season. That's a guy that could be a Cy Young this year and be the true ace of our staff going into the off season. And I'll go into that a little bit further yeah. later on here. But uh, those are two names I'd throw in there for, you know, potential lucrative award winner, you know, award, award candidates in our club. Good stuff. Vinny, options for sneaky MVP candidates on this team. Yeah, so I think Robert and Abreu and Anderson are the obvious ones. They're the ones who have been top 20 vote getters in the last two years. Robert, not last year, but the year before because he was healthy. Um, I think those three guys are like the, just like, duh, of course, they're MVP candidates. Um, last year, Giolito, Lynn, Rodon, who's no longer with us, which sucks, and Hendricks, uh, Liam Hendricks, all finished top 11 in Cy Young voting. And I didn't even mention Cease or Kopech, who are both just, they have nasty stuff. So those guys could always be in the MVP conversation. If you're in the Cy Young conversation, chances are you'll get MVP votes, depending on how good of a Cy Young season it is. Um, As far as sleepers, if Aloy hits 50 bombs and drives in 110, I don't think his defense would hold him down because they do take defense into consideration, which Abreu and Robert and Tim have turned into great defensive players over the last two years, which is why they get like the nod as like the locks to be in consideration. But if Jimenez just plays average right field, hits 50 bombs and drives in 110, then yeah, I think he could be in the conversation. But if we're going to go like true sneaky, sneaky, I'm going to say 
Yoan Moncada. Yoan Moncada, he's probably the most, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. He's the most interesting White Sox player to talk about on White Sox Twitter, the most intriguing, the most, you know, debated, I guess you could say. I think yeah. he's a very good player. He's outstanding defensively. I'd he's like polarizing, to man. He is polarizing. That's the word I'm looking for. Okay, he's definitely polarizing. He if he hits 25 to 30 bombs, has an OPS in the fours, so his or uh, slugging percentage in the fours. I mean, um, getting his OPS into the high 800s, low 900s with that elite defense, he could absolutely be a sleeper for MVP. He had a four WAR last year, and people called that a bad season. If you're upset with like a four war player, like what are we talking about? Does that mean if he's a six or seven war player that we really start giving him the respect that he deserves? I think Yoan's going to have a huge year. He'll hit more home runs than he did last year. Um, and obviously that'll cause him to drive in more RBIs. The, the thing that annoys me, people call Yoan soft. He was second on the White Sox in games played last year. The only one who had more games played than him last year, was the guy that everybody considers big and tough and, you know, big meanie, Jose Abreu. So, you know, just the, the stuff surrounding um, Mankata kind of annoys me, and I'll fight anyone on him. I think he's a very good player that could, in any given year, go off like that. Yeah. I did this because of his glove, because that doesn't even get talked about. Yeah, Either. I mean, elite defensive thing. killer, killer glove. He was a below average defensive second baseman and became an elite defensive third baseman. It's just weird how that happened. Since, uh, since, uh, you know, our boy Zim's not here, I'll have to add his choice as a sneaky MVP and go with the one and only Yaz Grandal. I mean, let's ah, face it, let's face don't it. Don't put words in his mouth. He actually <laughs> is, though. He actually is, though. <laughs> Let's yeah, face it, D. Rose would say, <laughs> why not me? <laughs> why he, he's not a me? candidate. I give him he's his, a candidate. Him, but... and his, him and his bum knee, man, he'll, he'll torch it with that bad of his. Zim is going to reach his arm through your computer screen <laughs> and pull you through. No, Grandal was awesome last year. If he played the whole year and I, I, people talk about the bat. I hate batting average. I think it's a stupid stat. I like the OPS way better. His slugging percentage was through the roof. And – he provided some big offense for the White Sox. I hope his knee feels better so he stops letting by a thousand pass balls. Yeah, right. Uh, real quick, Zim's pick for MVP. He said, you know, healthy Eloy and healthy Robert means MVP, though. So yeah, he's going with Jose, which I think is a smart choice as well. But, uh, you know, let's dive in, guys. Let's talk about our friendly neighborhood manager. And what we expect from him in 2022 in a segment that we like to call LaRusse's Locker. Yes, we get to talk about Tony's back for year two. Well, year two of this run with the White Sox anyway, and uh, preparing to make yet another World Series run after a disappointing exit last season, Tony La Russa. This guy, I mean, I all I can think of is him running after Jose Abreu at like snail's pace 
And that's just the thought when I think of Tony La Russa now in my brain. And it gives me absolute joy. I think it's just more of the same from Tony this year, guys. I think he learned last year the one thing that he's going to learn, and Vinny and I talked about this on Crosstown Crosstalk, is don't take the foot off the gas in late August because uh, that was the difference between playing the Astros in the first round or what was it? The Was it Boston they would have played or the Yankees? I'm trying in to remember. the second round? Yeah, yeah, it right. Boston. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the difference right there is, is those I – mean, the Astros were our kryptonite last year. They just couldn't get it figured out. But you, you got to keep your foot on the gas. And I think that's Tony's biggest takeaway in my opinion. Uh, Vinny, you know, when you think about Tony La Russa heading into 2022, you know, what comes to mind and, and what do you think he needs to do to make this team unbe- – well, I don't want to say unbeatable, but the best team in the majors. Yeah, I think Tony LaRusso is going to have a very good year. He pissed me off today by saying that I'm not a White Sox fan for thinking they need to add a right fielder to play right field, but I'll let that go. You know, he's a good player or he's a good coach. So, you know, he's done what he's needed to do in his career. They keep building a bullpen while he's the manager. I think that's no coincidence. I think he has a hand in adding Joe Kelly and Kendall Graveman and stuff like that. And, you know, I think they went out and got Kimbrell. He didn't use Kimbrell right. There's no doubt about it. Kimbrell's a closer and that's it. So they should trade him if they're not going to platoon him as a closer with Liam Hendricks, which it never hurts to have too many ninth inning guys. I don't understand. But, you know, as long as he's not insulting me, I'll be okay with him. He was good last year. He was, I'll take it back. He was bad in April. He was very bad in April. He was I bad. I hated the way, I hated the way the team was managed in April, but. He was asleep at the wheel. But what gives me hope is that he kind of like learned from those mistakes. Extra innings improved as the season went along and the bullpen management improved as the season went along. It was his first year back after nine years off with a good team that's a young team. Baseball's changed over the last decade. Players' personalities have changed over the last decade. The world has changed over the last decade. So another year under the belt for him. I think he's coming into this year ready to go. He knows what this team is capable of. Just have a good April, Tony. I think that could be the difference in home field advantage. It's a good point. It really is. Hard schedule to start the year, too. Yeah, really, it is a tough schedule. You know, keep foot on the gas all year long. Gonzo, Tony LaRusso, 2022. How do you feel? What does he do? How does he make you feel? I actually commend him for the last April because he was putting pitchers in positions, in tough positions that they need to be in as they go on later in the season and they end up excelling in. Um, we had to go back to Tony. I think you're going to expect him to get the most out of the talented pen. That's probably going to be the best pen in the league. Um, and to get our young guys getting progression in their development, guys like, you know, Vaughn and Sheets and, you know, C's and so much of our young core, um, especially T- Timmy. I mean, Timmy just called him his best friend this past week with Chuck. Um guy that really helped him step up his game to get the most out of him um yeah all together that with you know some of the uh change rules from this offseason i mean we're not going to see this bs california rule with the runner in second and extra innings um well maybe in april you know tony will send somebody out to second base and extra innings but 
Yeah. That is so. that is back this year. Is it? I thought they took Yeah. It. No, that's back is, for this year. Is that the is that the Otani rule then? The Otani rule the Otani rule is that the Angels are allowed to leave him as a DH on games he pitches. So when he's done in the sixth inning or whatever, he's allowed to then transition to being a DH when they bring in a new pitcher. That's the Otani rule. Can can, can but they're not putting the runner the new, on second base to start yeah, extra innings, though. That's, yeah, the, that's gone, the, I right? I think they are. No, oh, the, I thought new that was CBA, gone. the new CBA changed it. Said oh, no, runners, no runners on base to start extra innings. We'll, we'll, we'll get you guys an official answer. I, I'm – I'm and fairly certain a, that they, they put that in the CBA that they got rid of it, but we will definitely give you an answer. And we had double headers or nine inning games. So you're going to get, you know, he's not there really, which he's always been a bullpen coach, but with the pitching staff with, you know, double headers, both games being nine inning games, he's going to have to be smart with his pitching staff that he has each day with arms available. The ghost so. runner in extra innings is back for 2022 only. Okay. So that's, that's, so they got rid of it in the new CBA, but it goes away next year. Oh. 2023. But the playoffs this is gone, be... right? That's, that's, that's the way. Yes. That's the thing. yes it was okay. gone in the playoffs. Yes. Okay. Good. Okay. That's what it, all right. So yeah, PC so says back man this... rosters until May 1st. Ghost runner and extra innings only for 22. And then the Otani rule. Pitcher can remain a DH once he's pulled from the mound. Got it. And then universal DH is starting this year or is it starting next year? No, it's starting this year. Yes. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Now now, now that we're all cut up on rule changes. Why does the CBA <laughs> have to fuck this all up? <laughs> Speaking of DHs. Oh. An interesting DH. In the last decade or so, his name was Adam Dunn, which sets us up perfectly for the Adam Dunn of the week. You suck. You suck. Suck. Stupid. Lousy. No excuse. What a dud. What a total, total dud. Yeah, so this is the Adam Dunn of the week. And at this point, we're going to focus on, well, it could be a couple things. You could be the Adam Dunn of spring training. Or the Adam Dud of the offseason. I'll let you guys pick your poison however you want to do it. You can talk about someone dragging in spring, or you can talk about a move that you absolutely hated. It doesn't even necessarily have to be on the White Sox. Um, Vinny, you look like you got something top of mind, so I will let you lead things off here. Um, my only gripe with the White Sox right now is Jerry Reinsdorf. It was. I don't hate Tony Larusa by any stretch of the imagination. I actually like Tony Larusa. He helped torment the Cubs. The Cardinals were very good for a long time. Um, the White Sox are awesome under him. Uh, he's helped a lot of players take the next step. But it makes me angry that it was not Rick Hahn's decision. It makes me angry that it was Jerry Reinsdorf's decision. If Rick Hahn hired Tony Larusa, I would have no problem with the hire. I don't like when the owner meddles in baseball operations, especially because he's helping out a friend. That is just not how you should run your business. Um, I don't think I don't think it was Rick Hahn's fault that they shorted Giolito by fifty thousand dollars 
you know, a starting retail worker is keeping a salary, is keeping Giolito and the White Sox from not going to arbitration. That pisses me off. That screams Jerry Reinsdorf to me. He's my only gripe with the team. If Rick Hahn resigned because he was sick of Jerry Reinsdorf's garbage, he would be signed by a new team the next day because of what he's done with limited resources with this team. He's got a direct line to Cuba, clearly. He's got awesome... Oh, yeah. You know, ways of recruiting that way. He makes brilliant trades for the most part. I know Craig Kimbrell for Madrigal and Cody Hoyer is a dud. I understand that. I know when they were trying to win in 2016 and they traded for James Shields, that was a dud. Not every trade is a win, but every trade that was part of the rebuild, Jimenez and Cease for Quintana, Sale for Moncada and Kopech, G- uh, Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez and Dane Dunning, who became Lance Lynn, for Adam Eaton. All those trades were awesome. I like Rick Hahn. I have no problem. People who rip on Rick Hahn just aren't paying attention to the White Sox because it's Jerry Reinsdorf, and that is my gripe with the offseason. I would have signed a big money right fielder. I'm not even talking Conforto. Conforto's going to be way overpriced. I would pay it personally because it's not my money. I don't care. But And there's no salary cap. The White Sox have it to spend. Um, but, you know, could they have gotten somebody else? One of the other big free agent outfielders. Well, even if it was someone like Schwarber or Bryant or Castellanos, any of these guys, you know, it makes me so mad that they are so close to being like, they're, they're a World Series contender right now. They are so sure. close to being a World Series favorite. And I believe it's Jerry Reinsdorf keeping them from getting there. That is my gripe of the offseason. Yeah. You know, of the week. Yeah, he you you nailed the you nailed it on the head. You know, Jerry needs to open that pocketbook. I would have loved to see them add one of those big pieces, like you mentioned. You know, it's it's kind of scary, but uh, you know, my, mine is kind of similar to yours, Vinny. And it's I, I'm just gonna say the off season as a dud, at least in the American League Central. Just it's just the White Sox in general. It's the whole front office. Um, they've made some moves, decent moves. But you look at what the rest of the division has done. I mean, the Twins, Lanny Carlos Correa, they got Chris Archer. Um, that's that's news as of, I think, just the other day. Um, they just signed Chris Archer, actually, Twins. I just just recently. Twins have done um, really well, though. The, mm-hmm. I mean, the Twins are doing great this offseason. You see what the Tigers, you know, getting Javier Baez. You know, they're building around their young core. Tucker Barnhart, who we wanted on this podcast last year. Yes, we did want him last year as well. So they're adding all these quality pieces. I'm not going to talk about the Royals because they just seem to fall further into oblivion. Mm-hmm. They signed Zach Reinke. Good for them. But uh, prospects, <laughs> just, what's that? Good prospects, though. Yeah, no, they've got good prospects. I'm just – I feel like everyone's yeah. done something but us. And um, It's yeah. nice, though, well, seeing – Granky go back to where he started off. I like to say. Oh well, yeah, that's that's, that's, what, that's what I was cool. getting at. Like, oh, good for them. Seems to be the theme Frank. with Missouri baseball teams too. Yeah, yeah of course you have Albert Pujols doing the same thing. Sonny Gray, to Cardinals, also to the Twins. <clears throat> yeah, I mean these guys are doing yeah. a lot of stuff, and the White Sox aren't. And, uh, and you know, sure, J- Joe Kelly was a great addition. Uh, Josh Harrison, great addition, but it's a small. I mean, Joe Kelly is a big addition to the pen, but. There's no major, major, major signings, and it just rubs me the wrong way. So I'm just going to go with the whole White Sox front office is my Adam Dud of the offseason. Gonzo, who's your Dud? Uh, before I get my Dud, I also want to say, it, as much as I want it, because like I, I brought up Robbie Ray's deal and Marcus Simeon, both 
I thought would have been great. You know, you could probably both include them together. You might be, you know, right near the luxury cap for the tax, but I think both were solid deals for their value. Um, but if you were to do that, it would be rough to re-sign, or not re-sign, but get extensions for Timmy. C's coming up. There's a couple names of our core that we're going to have to give extensions to, and sure, that would have been really tough to do. But, um, yeah, to go back to the uh, Adam Dud. Dud. My, my Dud would have been what Vincent put there in the, in the chat with – Vince Velasquez, which is I brought him up earlier, and he indeed is my dud um, for a quality arm that I wanted to see signed. That wasn't enough at all. Um, for me, if you really wanted to put a quality arm that would have showed me that is a guy that's going to be fighting for that fifth spot in the rotation, it would have been um, John uh, John Gray. And I'm trying to remember. I think he went to the Phillies. I think the Phillies signed him. I have to look into that again, uh-huh. but he was a guy that I was targeting in our off-season um, show that we did in October, and I think he went for, if I remember, like thirteen million or something like that. But there's been so I, many guys that could have been signed for relatively yeah. expensive contracts. Yeah, but but that's just a guy. He, he was in the same draft with um, Snow. Um, from Tampa, or well, now he's in San Diego. No, not Snell. Sorry, not Snell. Glass now. Tyler Glass now with the Rays. They were drafted right next to each other, and his talent is unbelievable. But he was just with the you know in Colorado, and not the best ballpark. If you have you know that fastball that he's got and the talent, and he's going to get a good shot with I think it is the Phillies. But I think he's going to really take off with that talent that he has, and I would have loved to see the Sox go for him. Um. Yeah, maybe Vincent's right. I have to go look at the transaction. But bottom line, he's a quality arm that I would love to see them take a shot on because he could probably surprise a lot of people and with so a contender. Who's Who's your dud? Is it Is it White Sox front office? No, I uh with uh what uh, Vincent said with uh Vince. Oh Velasquez. right, Velasquez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, you know, as you can see, there's a common theme here. It's just wishing that we had some better arms in the pen and some better signings. And I think it's what all White Sox fans want. And there's still a little bit of time. So you might see something get done here. I would love to see that happen. But, you know, yeah, let's if go. The Sox, if the Sox make that trade for uh, Sean Manillo, I will be going crazy on Twitter. So. Yep. Tune in for Gonzo's mental breakdown when they sign yeah. Sean Manea. Um Or a trade for him, I mean. But uh, let's dive into the positive side of things. Let's Let's put our spin on it. Let's get amped up. What are you feeling good about? Uh, who is your put it on the board player of the spring? And uh, what's getting you ready for excited for the baseball season? So without further ado, this is our put it on the board segment of the show. Ball hit deep. Way back. He looks up. You can put it on the board. Yes. You can put it on the board hits differently when you find an old one that says that has Darren Jackson saying yes with Hawk. Yeah. Right. It certainly does. I mean, uh, nothing like the Hawk, man. I mean, I I, don't get me wrong. I love Benetti and stone, but some of those old Hawk calls are just classic. 
every now and then I'll throw on that. There's like a 30 minute YouTube video that just has like angry hawk, sad hawk, depressed hawk. Like so funny. The one where David Wright hits the pop up and Gordon Beckham drops it on the infield, and he just sits there with like 40 straight seconds of dead mic, no, no commentary whatsoever. And you know Steve Stone's not going to say anything. It was just so funny. I love that guy. He cares about the White Sox That's just classic. as much as every single person in the chat and on this screen. He does. I mean, I ran into him in Greek Islands once downtown and on Halsted Street in Greektown, and he was sitting with his whole family. I just walked over. I said, hey, what's up, Hawk? I said, you know, tough loss today. He goes, yeah, wasn't a good one, but those boys are going to come back and they're going to kick some ass tomorrow. You know, it's just kind of <laughs> like, you know, those are just the things you remember because that's just Hawk through and through. But um, obviously we're excited heading into 2022, and there's a lot to look forward to. But, you know, who is your put-it-on-the-board player or moment of the spring heading into baseball season, Gonzo, what's got you amped up and is excited for, for the start of baseball season? Yeah. So real quick to correct myself, Vince was right. Great to go to the Rangers. So shout out to you, Vince, for uh, keeping me on, on my heels. Um, but to go with my put on uh, player or put on the board player, um, I'm going to go with two guys here. I got some bold predictions for both of them. Um, both are pitchers. Um, I talked about Dylan Cease enough, but I liked what I saw out of him on the mound lately. Um, I think he, like, I I really think he's going to be the, you know, by the end of the year, he'll be the ace of this rotation. And I really think my prediction with him is he is going to beat out Cole and Ray and be the, leader in strikeouts and also be starting game one of the postseason for our White Sox. Um, then also my second uh, pitcher is in the pen and Vinny brought him up actually earlier in the show with Garrett Crochet. Um, I really think he's going to see a lot more innings this season and Tony's going to have full confidence in throwing him out there because if you haven't seen those clips of him, making Otani look like a fool. You got to go check out the, the nasty clips of that slider that he's got. And uh, my my prediction out of him, I think he has a shot. You know, surprise. I'm going to surprise people with this. But I think he's going to have a, a true shot at representing our White Sox in July at the All-Star Game as a relief arm out of the bullpen. Oh. I like it. I like it, man. Very. I like the positivity out of you, Gonzo. I feel like you you got to chug a couple Red Bulls, and then uh, I want to see you. I want to see just the, the veins popping out of your head when you make that prediction. <clears throat> I turned. Oh, I turned into right. Batman. Wow. <clears throat> <laughs> that was right. I am Batman. That was right with Lance Lynn. Where is he? <laughs> and I'm I'm doing double or nothing off of my my boldness with Lynn last year, so. I'm going to go with C's and Crochet here. Nice, man. Man, that gets me fired up. How, how about you, Vinny? Who's your put-it-on-the-board player of the spring or put-it-on-the-board excited for the baseball season? Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to my guy, Robert Murray. Um, he's a national baseball insider. He works for the company I work for at Fansided, and he's broken a lot of news over the course of the offseason. And, you know, I want to say – 
that having him help me with some of the information that he's given me, having me have content ready throughout the um, the off season and in our MLB group chat on Slack that we have, it's just very helpful and, you know, information on what the White Sox are looking at or who they're looking at. You know, I don't make it up. I hear it from people who have inside sources. So he's my put it on the board reporter of the offseason just because I'm so grateful with how much he's helped me, which then I've been able to bring more to the Barroom Network with that information. It's greatly appreciated. Um, as far as players on the White Sox, I'm actually going to go with a coach. I'm going to go with Ethan Katz. I think the nice. White Sox have incredible talent pitching. Um I think Gonzo would just go absolutely bananas and take off all his clothes if Dylan Cease actually lives up to the potential that he is capable of. Because I know oh, he how would. He is of that. Uh, I think Cease is capable. I think it's. I think there are so many good pitchers in the White Sox rotation that it's hard for me to just say, "Oh, Cease is going to be the game one starter." Oh, Kopech is going to pitch in this situation. Oh, Giolito is going to be this guy. I think Giolito is going to be the game one starter of the postseason and the regular season. That's just my opinion as of where, where we stand right now. But what Ethan Katz has done for Cease, Kopech, Crochet, uh, really only the old guys have gone backwards while Ethan Katz has been around, like Dallas Keuchel, um, uh, Craig Kimbrell. Um, I really hope that really all these young guys reach their potential. I want to see Cease use that uh, knuckle curve to his advantage this year. I know Ethan Katz has been helping him with that. We've seen, we saw what he did in high school pitching, coaching with Giolito Flaherty and uh, now I'm blanking on his name on Atlanta. Um, either way. Freed. Oh, uh, Freed. Yeah. Max Freed. Um, you know, we've seen him be so impactful with major league pitching and I think that's going to be the case for the White Sox this year. So my put it on the board players of the week is Ethan Katz and his pitching staff. Man, Vinny, that's so well said, man. It's uh, I, 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 I totally forgot about Cats. You know, I'm I got so used to, you know, we had one great year of Ethan Cats, and then you kind of go in the off season, you take for granted this pitching staff, and he's a big reason behind it. Yep. And uh, it gets me excited too. Vinny or Gonzo's putting up his finger. He's got a he's got a thought. What is I was it, Gonzo? Say the outlier to the older guys not having success with Cats would be Lance Lynn, but. I agree with what Vinny said. Yeah, well, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn was a top six Cy Young guy with the Rangers the two years prior to. So Lynn basically just had to come in and throw hard. That's what Lynn does. He doesn't work off his – he works off his fastball where Giolito works off his changeup and then uses his fastball to his advantage. Same thing with Cease and the knuckle curve. So, like, for Lynn, it's just, hey, go out there and pump out strikes and see if they can hit it. And so far yeah, they have He's pumping the fastball in the cutter, locating the cutter. Yeah, and the cutter is like his probably his best fastball, and he's got three mm-hmm. fastballs in his repertoire, and they make up. I want to say I remember seeing the stat his his fastballs make up for like eighty percent of his pitches thrown. So if you're Ethan Katz, you look at him and say, "Hey, you just go out there and throw the throw the damn thing." So and it's worked out. So that's what I got on that. Nice man, I love that. It's really that's it's it's really exciting for me too. Getting ready for pitching, some quality pitching again on the south side. Uh, you know, it's funny. <laughs> also, Justin Lee makes a good comment in the chat. Ethan Cass's shoe game is underrated. I, I would agree with that. His style game is underrated. He's just a stylish yeah. dude. I love that guy. Oh, Ethan Katz is my everything player of the week this year. 
I love it, man. I'm excited for that. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with my and put it on the board player of the spring or what I'm most excited for. Uh, PZ made a comment, and this is exactly what I feel. I'm really excited to see Tim Anderson and Josh Harrison together on the field, on the diamond, kind of getting things done. Uh, those two have a very similar personalities, and they're gritty players. And I think they're going to add a nice swagger to that infield. So for me, that's my put it on the board excited moment heading into the year and Gonzo's wagging his finger. What do you got, buddy? Yeah. When Vinny was talking about here, um, Josh earlier, um, I wanted to talk about, but I know we had to keep going, but um, Chuck did have a really good interview with uh, Josh on his podcast, but to go along with his character, um, who we need, you know, with like, with what PZ just said, him and Timmy are just going to be crazy with their duo, with the character they have. But Josh, we need players like Josh with the versatility that he has in his defense, and he reminds me a lot like Howie Kendrick and, you know, the success that the Nationals had with him and also the Angels did. But that's just a guy that, like you said, Joe, is just signed for a good deal that I think is going to be the guy that this roster is going to need that's – not going to like, you know, his name that he's not going to spark around baseball too crazy, but he's a guy that is going to get the job done here for our to, second base to, role. To me, he's, and this is probably a, a weird comparison for people, but to me, I think Josh Harrison could be like the Carl Everett of this group, like from 2005, the guy that kind of comes in and kicks that chemistry into high gear. Cause like Carl, Carl Everett was like a hard ass. And I know he, I'm not saying he's similar to Josh Harrison, and the way he handles himself. But I think he's that guy that's going to pour in and kind of get this team gelling to the next stage where they need to be. So I'm just excited to see that come into fruition because let's he be honest. You of uh, Timo Perez from that yeah. 05 team. I mean, wow, that's that's taking me back. Um, <laughs> no, I, I guess, sort of. I guess it's not the worst comparison in the world, but. Hey, he's the winning run of the World Series. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He certainly is. So we've gotten through our predictions. We talked about all this fun stuff. And we're already at the almost hour and a half mark, boys. And we've always liked to wrap things up at the end of the show. to do a little something fun, a little something lighthearted. Favorite something. This in the ballpark. You know, we've done, you know, favorite ballpark songs, all that stuff. And uh, today we're going to, you know, we're anticipating the upcoming season. So, we're going to do the most anticipated ballpark snack. Like what's that thing you're craving in the ballpark? It, it may not be like your number one thing every time you go to the game, but like, man, just thinking of going to the ballpark, that's the first thing you want to do and get this when you walk in. What's your most anticipated ballpark snack heading into 2022? Vinny, I'll let you lead the way. Oh, I mean, for me, it always comes down to two. Um, but one I'll get periodically throughout the year, and that's the helmet nachos. Helmet nachos are just so good. I get them with pork. Just absolutely, unbelievably amazing. Um, no sour cream because sour cream is gross, but I'll take the extra cheese. Um, but the thing that I will get probably, and I'm saying this with no exaggeration, I plan on going to opening day against the Seattle Mariners. Um I probably within five minutes of walking into the stadium, will get the Cuban sandwich if it's back. And I mean it with no exaggeration that I absolutely love that sandwich. 
it's on the first base side, lower level, or not not first base side. It's more like the third base side, home plate ish, and it's a mini Minoso little stand. The, the Cuban Comet. The Cuban Comet, exactly, and it's the red, white, and blue uniform stripes uh, as the decor of that little stand, and they're just pumping them out. Um, I probably will get one within five minutes of being there before the game even starts or before the players even take the field for warmups. So that's my most anticipated snack. I cannot wait to get back in and have me one of those. Very much looking forward to it, especially knowing that the Cuban baseball uh, organization or whatever you want to call it, they make the White Sox an elite team. I mean, we're talking Yasmani Grandal, Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Yoan Moncada, uh, Yoel Cespedes eventually, Oscar Coles eventually. Uh, Mini Minoso is one of the all-time great White Sox players. He's probably the he is the OG, you know, Cuban superstar in Major League Baseball. I believe he's the first Black player to ever play for a Chicago sports franchise. So you know, Minimum. I love that Cuban Panini, and I love almost the history behind it and what it means to the team today. So yay, Cuban Panini, dude! You cannot go wrong ever with the Cuban sandwich at the Sox game. Yeah, you know it's just when you walk by, it's almost impossible not to to look through the glass and take a look at those beauties sizzling Absolutely. there on the flat top. And I'm considered all my people around me call me a diva. Like I hate when my hands are dirty. Like I always wash my hands. I don't like when they even have a little bit of grease on them. And that's a slight problem at Guaranteed Rate Field. Your hands are greasy when you're done eating it. I don't care. It's the one time in my life I'm a man with grease on my hands. I'm getting me a Cuban panini. You're a man with grease on your hands and you're getting a Cuban panini. I like that quote. We should put that one like one day. That'll be in the books. Vinny Parisi. I'm a man with grease on my hands and I got my Cuban panini. Yep. And my mom, Lisa, in the chat talking about macaroni and cheese with brisket. She probably agrees with uh, Joey, my brother, Joey, he, the Mac Shack. The Parisi family is known for extending their Italian roots at Guaranteed Rate Field, eating at the Mac Shack. There you go, man. That's, that sounds good, too. Lots of good options. All right, Gonzo, what is your ballpark snack that you're craving the most heading into the season? So mine's a bit cheesy, but since I'm tired, yeah, cheesy to go with the macaroni. <laughs> but since I moved out here to uh, San Diego, I'm going to have to really find the snack at Petco Park. Um, and the White Sox travel out here to San Diego at the end of September for a weekend series. So I'm going to have to go find out what ballpark snacks are really good out here at Petco. Um, maybe I can get Joe and Vinny out there possibly steven at the end of september we can have like a rent out like a you know villa or something out here and just go crazy that weekend but uh that would be something it was supposed to be it was supposed to be the last series of the year until the stupid lockout forced them to take that twin series and put it right behind it that's annoying Mm. i even know that how that was going to work out but listen the, the suggestions out there for a weekend out here in san diego there you go, man. I love it, Gonzo. I love it. And uh, I'm going to go with my ballpark, you know, the number one thing I'm craving heading into the season. And, it, and it's a 1-1A. One and, and one You know, we're going to lead off here with a little bit of news, which Vinny actually broke on Twitter yesterday. And, uh, you know, they the White Sox are now a Miller Lite 
ballpark sponsored by the Miller Corporation. And that means, you know, that means one thing and one thing only for me, the return of Summer Shandy from Lining Google to the ballpark because Miller owns the Lining Google Corporation. So that's exciting for me that Summer Shandy will make its triumphant return to Guaranteed Rate Field. There's nothing like a Summer Shandy when it's 80 to 90 degrees outside. It's so refreshing. Don't get me wrong. 312 Italian Shandy was was okay, but it's it's not Lining Google Summer Shandy. <clears throat> so I'm excited to partake in a Summer Shandy in the stands at least once this year while I have my Chicago-style hot dog with all the fixings. I mean, it's the only way to live, gentlemen, and uh, I can smell it already. Joe, over under me and you dummying a Miller Lite and a hot dog. I'll set it at four games this season. <laughs> well, you know that it's a little high because you know it's a little different for me this year. Now, you know, yeah. I, I for those of our listeners who don't and viewers that don't know, you know, my wife and I we welcomed our first child here in early January. My daughter Audrey. Um, <clears throat> yes, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. There'll be pictures on another show, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, I don't know we're, we're figuring all that out. I do have my 20 game package, so I know. I'll definitely. One. So that's good. I'm definitely going to at least one game. I can promise you that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, isn't it funny? I got credit for breaking the Miller light thing. <laughs> like, I found out like an hour beforehand and people are like crediting me with like, I'm like, I just tweeted it. Cause I like Miller light. Like that was literally the only reason I even tweeted it in the first place. I was like, "Ooh, Miller Light, let's go." Well, it's like it's you know it's got every, and thank you PZ for the comment. I appreciate it. You know, it's got everyone talking like, "Oh, the whole Goose Island section that was in right field." You know what's going to happen to that? Well, you know, I think it's pretty obvious what's going to happen to it. It's going to become a lining Google section. It's going to have to. It's natural. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, back when they were at Miller Park, they had lining Google stands all over the place with the canoe and all that. Mm-hmm. They've got the water there already. Um, that's my bet. I'm willing to bet that becomes a lining Google Island or, or Shandy Island or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's just going to be called Brian Knight's Club or something, you know. <laughs> we got to get him on. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I mean, uh, they could just go ahead and make it. Maybe they'll bring it back and they'll they'll start calling it the uh, the bullpen, the bullpen island or something, you know, to a nod to the old bullpen bar, which is now the craft cave. Um, and uh, we'll see. Hopefully, there's more seat vendors this year too. We'll find out about that as well. But uh, I, I believe the park is staying cashless, so uh, it's going to be interesting. We'll see what happens. Um, all we can hope for is shorter lines than there were last year, but it was tough. But the best part is we get there early. That's why I go early. I like to watch the game. I get my stuff, sit in my seat, crank it back, go to baseball town. But uh, gentlemen, we've reached the hour and 35 minute mark. We want to thank everyone in the chat who hung out with us all night, commenting, getting part of the action. Uh, Of course, I got to thank my, my co-host here. Uh, Well, I think Steven, Steven Zimmerman who couldn't be here tonight feeling under the weather, but he was with us in the chat. And that's what really matters. So thanks for joining us, Zim. We'll see you next week. And before I, I toss it to, to Vinny and Chris, 
uh, for final thoughts. I do want to tease our guest for next week. We have a great guest. That's right. Next Monday, April 4th, 8 p.m. in our new time slot, we will be welcoming White Sox Stadium host Alyssa Bergamini. Uh, she also covers the Bulls this season. Uh, we are more than excited to have her on the show again. Friend of the show, always keeping things exciting in the ballpark. And she will be joining us next week to talk White Sox, to talk everything going on in the stadium. And maybe we can get her thought on a couple of the handouts this year. There's a couple of sweet bobbleheads this season. I'm sure some of you guys have seen it out there. So a great show coming up next week with Alyssa Bergamini. Do not miss that one next weekend. Next next week, it's going to be a blast. So be here for it. We can't wait for it. But let's toss it over to the gentlemen for their final thoughts. Uh, Chris, let's get your final thoughts tonight, my friend. Final thoughts. Uh, man, um, I'm, I'm actually excited for the opening uh, schedule here for the Sox going off to Detroit, you know, getting on the road here. It's going to be exciting. Um, Sox do well in Detroit um, the past two years. And especially, I know I've been talking to him about him a lot, but Dylan Cease, he's going to be, the, you know, in there for one of those three games. And I think in his career against Detroit, he's like 8-0 and with 1.7 ERA or something like that. His stats are just ridiculous. And I'm excited to see what we can do in Detroit and watching Javier Baez probably strike out a couple of times. So I'll enjoy that. Um, but then I think they uh, start off at home uh, versus Seattle, if I remember right. So that will be exciting to see that. Um, other than that, I'm excited for, you know, the opening stretch. And then Alyssa, you guys will be interviewing her. I'm not going to be, at, you know, here um, for the next couple of weeks. But you'll, you, you know, don't worry, everyone in the chat. I'll be sending in hey, Gonzo's, you'll, Gonzo's you're weekly have your videos. Segment. You're right. still getting your segment, Gonzo. Hey, I'm, don't I'm worry. just teasing it. I'm teasing it. All right, we we got a Gonzo segment coming. Um, but other than that, um, shout outs for me. It's going to be you, Joe, for becoming a father here. Thank you, we bro. Got, we got another baby, another self Pittman baby. That's right. That has been introduced. Um. Also going to shout out Vince for keeping me on my toes in the chat with my spontaneous uh, thoughts that I've got. Um, also shout out to my girlfriend Sarah who's tuned in. And my last shout out is going to be to my uh, my grandpa, my mom's dad. Um, I think he's going to be put into hospice here pretty soon. Um, tough times in the household at home. Um so yeah, shout out to my grandpa. Um, last couple of days I got left with him. I gotta give him a call soon. Um, it's hard not being away from home, not being able to be there. Um, one of the sacrifices I have to give is part of my career, but uh, it is what it is. And uh, I appreciate any uh, thoughts and prayers out my way. But definitely praying for your grandfather, Thank Chris. You. So uh, always in our thoughts. So. Thanks for sharing that, man. And we appreciate you as always. Uh, Vinny, what do you got for uh, final thoughts and shout outs? Final thoughts? Uh, the Chicago White Sox are going to be very good this year. I know we have one more show before they actually kick things off, but we are really looking at probably the greatest era of White Sox baseball. I know they won the World Series in 2005, but it came out of nowhere. Um, 
nobody really went into that season thinking they'd be any better than second place. So we're going into this year. Last year, you all watched them make it to the postseason two years in a row for the first time ever. This year, we're looking for them to make it to the postseason three years in a row for the first time ever and win the division title for the second year in a row for the first time ever. So very good team. I know there's some holes to fill. They'll they'll figure it out, but they're going to be a very fun team. Um, Enjoy the ride. It's going to be a good time. We're going to be here with you all season long, and I'm very much looking forward to it. There are some outstanding players with outstanding personalities on this team. For shout-outs, I'll shout-out my girlfriend, Katie. Wouldn't be anywhere without her. Um, during the lockout, it wasn't very easy to do my job. And, you know, times were tough, and we got through it, and would be nothing without that and support. And, you know, also my family, my mom, dad, brother, Joey. Um Everyone around me means a lot to me, and I would be nowhere without them. And I also got to shout out you guys, you know, my favorite co-hosts, of course. You know, we do great work here at the Barroom Network. I'm very proud to be a part of it. And Joe, public congratulations to you for the birth of your daughter. I'm very excited. Thank you. And eventually, um, and Gonzo, my thoughts and prayers to you and your family. I hope everything works out as well as it possibly can. Um, I will be sending my good vibes and prayers your way. All, all beautiful sentiments across the board, gentlemen. Uh, final thoughts for me tonight. Just ready for baseball season. Excited, ready to rock and roll. Oh. And uh, and Vinny, I'm, I'm I'm ready to to draft against you on Friday night in our fantasy baseball draft. Uh, you actually took Gonzo's place, believe it or not. Gonzo, Gonzo's got other stuff going on. He's a busy man, but uh, you're a more than admirable fill-in for Gonzo. And uh, I'm just looking forward to some fantasy baseball. Absolutely. Can't wait. So, yeah. So just excited for that. Uh, shout outs. Of course, I'm going to shout out all my co-hosts here. Vinny, you know, I've been a great addition to the squad, man. And, and having you from the beginning of the year is, is just dynamite and you bring such, uh, such knowledge. And of course you're covering this stuff all day. You live it and breathe it. And it's just great to be able to have you on the show. So, so thank you for joining up with us and being here for full time for season two. We, we love having you. Gonzo, I appreciate you, brother. Always, you know, you've been here from the start. It's uh, It's been a heck of a ride. And, you know, we've uh, taken this thing to where we are now. And, you know, we're going to continue building it uh, where it needs to go. So, and we're wishing you nothing but the best with uh, all your stuff out there on, on the West Coast. So continue kicking ass. Uh, and then Steven Zim Zimmerman, of course, under the weather tonight. But uh, we love you too, brother. Uh, of course, he's, you know, he's got a relatively new addition as well. And, and on top of it all, the man is starting a new job. So uh, nothing but respect for you, Zim. And can't wait to talk baseball with you next week. So we're looking forward to having you back and you feeling better. I uh, got a shout out, of course, my, my beautiful wife, Catherine, and our new baby daughter, Audrey. And a special shout out to my great Dane puppy, Maverick. He's not a puppy anymore, but today is his second birthday. So happy second birthday, Maverick. Uh, love you, buddy. I'll be up there to to rub your belly here in just a few minutes. Uh, and then of course, uh, a big shout out to the barkeeper himself, Mr. Aldo Gandia for allowing us to have this platform and for this amazing network, the barroom network, make sure you follow uh, on Twitter, on all the social media platforms. Give us a follow here on YouTube. Uh, just subscribe if you can, it, it would help a lot. And of course you can find us anywhere. Podcasts are available. Apple, Apple, Spotify, you name it. So uh, great shows. Of course, Vinny's got Crosstown Crosstalk. We've got Bar Down Blackhawks. 
You got Mike North Advantage, Greg Gabriel talking football, Barfly Tailgate Show, Fantasy Football Goon, Bulls Gold, you name it. There's just so many darn amazing shows on this network. Bear Football, subscribe so you can check them all out. So shout out to Aldo and, and all the other great hosts on the network. Wouldn't be able to do it without you. And last but not least, the amazing chat. Uh, love having you here with us. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. But uh, we've reached the end of our rope. We've, we're at the hour and 45-minute mark. We're going to get out of here. But for the South Burbs Hitmen, I am Joe Mandel. The guy to my top right is Vinny Parisi. The top left is Chris Gonzalez. And the guy who's a little under the weather and not here with us, that's Steven Zim Zimmerman. Uh, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go, White Sox. And we'll see you back here next week with Alyssa Bergamini, White Sox Stadium host. It's going to be a great show. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.